the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Good Friday afternoon and welcome to the Georgine Rice Show. James Blind is producing, Clark Hilton Engineering, and Dan Rice has given up the use of his office for the sake of the clause. We're glad to have you on this Friday afternoon. We'll start out by taking a look at some of the day's uh, headlines. We'll also take a look at the lighter side of the news, as time permits. Well, President Trump's chances for an acquittal in his upcoming Senate impeachment trial were pretty unclear this week, with most Senate Republicans either undecided on the matter or refusing to comment. Uh, Republicans uh, who will be serving as um, senator when the trial is likely to begin sometime after President-elect uh, Joe Biden's inauguration on the 20th are mum on the subject. Well, given that a two-thirds majority is needed to convict, 17 Republicans would have to vote against the president, assuming all 48 Democrats and the two independents who caucus with them do so. But only 13 GOP senators volunteered the will vote to acquit Trump on the House-passed impeachment resolution, which charged the president with incitement of insurrection. Well, based on uh, responses and public uh, available statements, 10 Republicans were undecided, three refused to comment, 24 didn't respond, despite repeated requests over the last couple of days. Well, in the House, 10 Republicans crossed the aisle to support the impeachment resolution, which passed on Wednesday. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell was among the Republicans saying that they wanted to listen to the arguments before casting a vote. And again, the question is whether or not there will actually be Senate hearings. Well, GOP Senator Murkowski is undecided on a Trump conviction despite backing the Trump impeachment. And I suspect that will be the case for some senators. Uh, The Trump impeachment conviction is never going to happen without a massive shift among Senate Republicans, says Mr. Bevan, and there's growing pressure on Speaker Pelosi to send the Trump impeachment to the Senate as Chuck Schumer and Mitch O'Keefe, or Mitch McConnell rather, are, um, well, exchanging barbs with one another. Now, you might recall in the first impeachment some 13 months ago, there was a sense of urgency that was, re- that was uh, oft repeated throughout the process. And yet, once the impeachment was accomplished, Nancy Pelosi took her time passing it on to the Senate. Well, a Trump impeachment trial could hamper Biden's congressional agenda in the first days of his presidency. And Representative uh, Donald says House Democrats have weaponized race to make the Trump impeachment case. The Wyoming GOP has ripped Representative Liz Cheney for voting to impeach President Trump and influencing others to do the same. She was the most uh, often quoted Republican in the hearing by House Democrats last week or this week. Well, Twitter's Trump ban is just the beginning. CEO Dorsey is suggesting in a leaked whistleblower video, well, the policy enforcement actions will go far beyond banning President Trump. That's according to a leaked recording of Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey suggests. Well, Project Veritas released the clip Thursday claiming to uh, claiming rather that it came from a Twitter inside whistleblower who secretly recorded remarks by Dorsey to his staff. You should always feel free to express yourself in whatever format manifestation feels right, Dorsey said in the clip, unless you fall into certain categories, apparently. 
Uh, Dorsey, who recently addressed the controversy over his company's decision to permanently suspend the president, told his staff in an initial meeting that Twitter will do a full retro review of the matter that will take some time, but drew focus to the platform's former most high-profile account. We know we are focused on one account right now, but this is going to be much bigger than that just one account. And it's going to go on for much longer than just this day, this week, and the next few weeks, and go on beyond the inauguration, end quote. In other developments, Twitter says the Chinese government's tweets denying forced labor in Xinjiang doesn't break its rules, and a Hong Kong ISP blocked access to a pro-democracy website under its national security law. With the New York Times caliphate scandal, the Houston radio station has pulled a news podcast. O'Keefe says exposure of big tech censorship and its agenda is leading to a revolution of whistleblowing, and the Babylon Bee mocks the push to edit Trump out of Home Alone 2, joking the Apprentice reruns will be next. I don't know if you've heard about this effort, but to try to edit him out of that decades-old movie. Well, activists on the left have been charged in the Capitol riot after saying he was um, just there to document a left-wing activist who told uh, Fox News last week that he'd followed a pro-Trump mob into the Capitol in order to document the siege is now the subject of a criminal complaint in connection with his alleged participation. That's according to the Justice Department. John Sullivan can allegedly be heard egging on protesters in the video he provided to the FBI, according to a federal criminal complaint. He has also shared the video to his YouTube and Twitter accounts under the pseudonym Jaden X. He was charged Thursday in federal court in Washington after being arrested by the FBI. He remained in custody uh, in his home state of Utah on a U.S. Marshal Service um, hold request. Well, inside the building, he told rioters that we got to get this expletive burned and it's our house expletive, according to an affidavit signed by FBI Special Agent Matthew Falger. He faces federal charges of civil disorder, entering a restricted building, and violent entry or disorderly conduct. James Sullivan, the man's brother, said that, uh, speaking to a Fox Salt Lake City station, that he gave tips about his brother to the local FBI office and believed his brother was somehow in charge of the attack. Now, that would be an interesting development. James Sullivan said he found out uh, that his brother was at the Capitol when friends posted photos online. Well, the man charged with threatening Nancy Pelosi has been ordered held pending trial. And an Arkansas man seen beating a police officer with a flagpole during the Capitol riot has been arrested. The FBI is prepping Florida for possible pro-Trump rallies on Sunday. And Democrats are pressuring Speaker Pelosi to expel Madison Cawthorn. He's the youngest Republican who uh, rejected the uh, Electoral College certification. More Russiagate documents are set to uh, be released, according to a Senate source. And CNN's Don Lemon has doubled Lemon rather has doubled down on lumping all Trump voters with Klansmen and Nazis, stereotyping at its finest. Well, Harvard students are seeking to revoke Trump graduates withdrawing their diplomas after the Capitol Hill violence. And let me explain what they're saying. They want Trump supporters' diplomas to be withdrawn their earned academic diplomas to be withdrawn because, they argue, they supported Trump. President-elect Biden is calling for more direct cash to Americans in new stimulus package. We'll talk about that a bit later. And the blue state exodus could flip the political map upside down, turning red states rather purple. 
Chicago Mayor, Mayor Lori Lightfoot says restaurants and bars need to be allowed to reopen as quickly as possible. What a difference an election and a near inauguration makes. And the Fed's Powell says that the U.S. economy may return to pre-crisis levels much sooner than expected. That, of course, will depend on a number of things, namely who's in the White House and the decisions that are being made there. Well, Democrats are quickly moving on a bill to grant themselves lasting power. Last week, House Democrats reintroduced as H.R. 1, a voting and campaign finance bill that would grease the Democrats' voting machine nationwide and restrict political opposition. They also introduced a bill to provide statehood for the District of Columbia that would guarantee Democrats two new Senate seats. Meanwhile, we get this from the Daily Wire on Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Southern states are not red states. They are, according to the Congresswoman, suppressed states for which the only solution is liberation from economic, social, and racial oppression, which she is uh, happy to lead the charge on. Well, progressives are capitalizing on opportunity to shut down conservative speech. Victor Davis Hansen points out that progressive politicians, Wall Street, the media, academia, I should probably say academia, uh, Hollywood and professional sports are all on the side of the mega-rich tech cartels. Partnering with big tech is both politically useful and financially lucrative. So the values of the 19th century rail and oil monopolies are back. But now they are married to the 20th century leftist totalitarian, uh, totalitarianism rather, of George Orwell's 1984. And they are further powered by the 21st century instant reach of the Internet. This time around, there will be no progressive trust busters or muckrakers. They are in league with or bought off by the new electronic octopus. And its tentacles are strangling the thoughts and speech of an increasingly unfree America. You could read more on that in the National Review. Dennis Prager points out that now we are faced with a lockdown on speech, the likes of which have never been seen in America. And the parallels with Germany are even more stark. The left-wing party, the Democrats, and the left-wing media, the mainstream media, are using the mob invasion of the Capitol exactly the way the Nazis used the Reichstag fire. Meanwhile, Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey was secretly recorded promising a much broader set of bans. Apparently, a Twitter insider gave the tape to Project Veritas, as I've mentioned. Interestingly enough that uh, this comes as Dorsey seems to be a bit more reflective in a series of tweets before this broke. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll take a quick break, and we'll continue to take a look at headline news. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're working our way through some of the day's headlines. Well, a very astute waitress noticed a boy who was seated with his parents. The boy didn't get any food. She called the police, but not before testing the situation. She also noticed he was thin and seemed to have bruises. Well, her name is Carvalho. She didn't uh, hold back and flashed a sign at the boy that read, Are you okay? The boy nodded, No. She then flashed another sign behind his parents' back saying, Do you need help? And he nodded, Yes. Well, Carvalho, she immediately called the police, who later arrived at the restaurant to question the boy and his parents. Police said the parents have since been arrested. Kudos to this very um, alert waitress. 
President-elect Biden's coronavirus board is in the dark on final vaccine plan, but he did issue some um, statements earlier in the week. We'll tell you what those are in just a bit. A political boss was uh, pilloried for handing over its signature news product to Ben Shapiro. Uh, The memo to AOC, Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridge the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peacefully to assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievances. That would be the First Amendment. Macaulay Culkin, uh, he's supporting erasing Donald Trump's cameo from the Home Alone 2 movies. That's going to make a really big difference. And a large study of UK healthcare workers suggests most people are immune for at least five months after catching COVID for the first time. A Mayo Clinic study says that antibody-rich plasma treatment reduces the chances of COVID death by 25%. In national security, a federal prosecutor has hit MS-13 board of directors with terror charges and killing of Christians increased 60% in 2020, mostly due to Islamic violence in Nigeria. Well, a senior NASA scientist has pled guilty to making false statements related to China's Thousand Talents program. And a former Harvard-affiliated researcher has been ordered to leave the country after attempting to smuggle cancer research to China. Finally, an MIT professor has been charged with hiding work for China. Well, weekly unemployment claims jumped to 965,000 as the virus takes a toll And a record 21 million guns were sold in 2020. That's up 60% among those buying the guns, women, and African Americans. They topped the list of buyers. Well, in the annals of social justice caliphate, kill all Republicans. Amazon uh, sells 204 items promoting violence and hate. Not censured, they're selling them for profit. Well, the mobbing of a Portland bookstore remains uh, why Fahrenheit 451 was written, some observers are pointing out, and of course that's Powell's books. It's apparently available for purchase online, and so while it's not being, uh, Andy knows, book is not going to be available in the store, that was uh, too offensive to have it available online. Well, a memory refresher, a left-wing terrorist who bombed the Capitol building in 1983, was pardoned by uh, Mr. Clinton and now fundraises for Black Lives Matter. Just a thought. This day in history, 1559, British Queen Elizabeth is the first, rather, is crowned in Westminster Abbey. 1892, the original rules of basketball devised by James Naismith are published for the first time in Springfield, Massachusetts, where the game originated. Well, he could not have imagined where it has gone since. 1919 in Boston, a tank containing an estimated 2.3 million gallons of molasses burst, sending the dark syrup coursing through the city's north end. And killing 21 people. 1929, Martin Luther King Jr. is born in Atlanta, Georgia. 1943, work is completed on the Pentagon, the headquarters of the U.S. Department of War, later to be named the Department of Defense. 1993, an historic disarmament ceremony ends in Paris with the last of 125 countries signing a treaty banning chemical weapons. And finally, 2009, on this day in history, U.S. Airways Captain Chelsea Sully Sullenberger Force lands his Airbus 320 in the Hudson River after a flock of birds disabled both engines. All 155 people aboard survived. There's a movie on the subject if you're interested. We're hearing that rioters who stormed the U.S. Capitol last week did so with the intent to capture and assassinate elected officials 
That's what federal prosecutors said in a new court filing in a memo requesting that QAnon shaman Jacob Anthony Chansley be kept in detention. Justice Department lawyers in Arizona wrote that strong evidence, including Chansley's own words and actions at the Capitol, show that the intent was to harm elected officials. Meanwhile, prosecutors in Texas court, they've alleged in, in a separate case that a retired Air Force reservist who carried plastic zip tie like restraints on the Senate floor had possibly intended to restrain lawmakers. Chansley, who is set to appear in federal court in Arizona on Friday for a detention hearing, gained widespread notoriety for dressing as a Viking, wearing a headdress and face paint, and carrying a six-foot spear inside the Capitol during the breach. He loved Trump every word. He listened to him. He felt like he was answering the call of our President Chansley, uh, Chansley's attorney, uh, Al Watkins, said Thursday in an appearance on CNN. My client wasn't violent. He didn't cross over any police lines. He didn't assault anyone, he said, adding that Chansley is hoping for a presidential pardon. In an interview with National Review last week, Chansley, an avid believer in the widespread and wide-ranging QAnon conspiracy theory, called himself a true patriot that believes in the founding documents, that believes in our founding principles. Never fear, Joe Biden has announced his American Rescue Plan. It's a $1.9 trillion proposal to change the course of the pandemic and build a bridge toward economic recovery. Headlining Biden's plan is a $400 billion airmark for a national vaccination and testing program with the expressed focus to reopen schools and protect vulnerable populations. The, the president-elect also wants Americans to receive another round of stimulus checks of $1,400 per person, adding to the 600 recently distributed in Congress last COVID-19 relief bill. Uh, to reach the $2,000 sum that President Donald Trump, Nancy Pelosi, and Chuck Schumer uh, stumped for last month. Uh, Biden's plan also includes one of the Democrats' favorite and ill-advised agenda items, a $15 an hour federal minimum wage. Small businesses are already struggling with the economic burden of COVID. Forcing them to pay extras to hire back workers is not going to help them or workers who still won't have jobs, but it will appear compassionate. His plan is more about um, how he talks about the pandemic. It really doesn't uh, suggest many substantive changes in action. Of course, he'll have the advantage of a supportive press to, to praise his decisive action. And uh, we predict that the novel virus will soon stop dominating the headlines for that reason. Meanwhile, almost as if on cue, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo is planning to begin releasing his state from the draconian Economy stifling lockdown shackles they've been under, sounding ironically like Trump, Cuomo argued, we simply cannot stay closed until the vaccine hits critical, uh, critical mass. The cost is too high. We must reopen the economy, but we must do it smartly and safely. Cuomo's not the only Democrat leader pushing reopening in the midst of what Biden once warned would be a dark winter. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot also insists that the city must reopen bars and restaurants as soon as possible. I'm very, very focused on getting our restaurants reopened. Well, it's pretty funny how as soon as Biden is about to take residence in the White House, some Democrats are suddenly concerned about getting the economy up and moving again, even as the number of COVID infections and deaths continue uh, to hit um, record highs. The Chicago Tri Tribune rather, reports state health officials on Thursday reported 6,600 new confirmed and probable cases of COVID-19. The seven-day average of new cases hit 63 Hundred, roughly the same as it was a week ago after spiking to 6,900 average daily uh, cases for the week ending on Sunday.
In all, there have been 1,052,682,000 known cases statewide throughout the pandemic. Well, from the beginning, it's been argued uh, that the pandemic, uh, uh, at the beginning, I should say, of the pandemic, the Democrats would exploit it to force the economy into recession in order to defeat Donald Trump. And naturally, now that Joe Biden is coming into the rescue, those same Democrats find it politically advantageous to call for reopening the economy. Uh, we want economic recovery. It's a good thing, but it's rather interesting to see how politics weighs in on the timing of uh, what's being called for and what suddenly becomes a priority. In any event, it will be good for the nation if there is a reopening in areas that desperately need the economy to, to move. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, the Friday edition. Joining me now is James Blinn, and I think this is your first appearance of 2021. Happy New Year and welcome. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a couple of weeks now, and uh, a bunch of holidays have passed, and the calendar has moved on, and uh, I'm still in the dungeon, as I call it. But hey, it's it's a new year, so new attitude. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to take a look at some of the lighter side of the news, beginning with the man who, <laughs> I mean, I guess this is a, a an example of why you must someplace in your household, in your mind, wherever you, you uh, can, store a password. Well, Stefan Thomas, he's from San Francisco. He says he's made peace with forgetting his Bitcoin password that would turn him into a multimillionaire. Now, most of us are not going to be on that threshold, but he recently was uh, featured in the New York Times. He has about $220 million worth of Bitcoin. It's locked away on a hard drive that will um, erase its data after 10 password attempts. Now, he's tried to put in the correct password eight times with no luck. He's got two additional, you know, efforts. Uh, the programmer lost a piece of paper containing the password. Uh, he's quoted in the, uh, the Times article as saying, you sort of question your own self-worth, what kind of person loses something this important. This was during a recent interview before detailing how he has come to terms with what happened. It was actually a really big milestone in my life where, like, I sort of realized how I was going to define my self-worth going forward. Uh, it wasn't going to be about how much money I have in my bank account, he said. Well, he said he um, told his story to help prevent others from forgetting their password. And one of the reason, uh, reasons, rather, that he's been able to uh, accept his fate is he says he has more money than he knows what to do with. I've never been in that position, but um, at least he's content with having two tries and the strong likelihood that $220 million worth of Bitcoin will simply dissipate and disappear um, in the near future. I think I was reading that there was quite a uh, crash this week on Bitcoin, so it's probably not uh, worth nearly as much as even that anymore. So maybe he feels that, well, I wouldn't feel a whole lot better about it. But, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things. This is why I keep my... Simple one, two, three, four, five passwords. Oh, whoops! Did I said not kidding. <laughs> I, you know, it's it's one of those things. It's the ultimate thing, though. Imagine, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I've certainly forgotten my share of passwords over the years. And you go and you go through that whole little, you know, the whole thing to reset your password. And uh, please enter your new password. And the first thing it tells you is, after you choose your new password, your password cannot be your previous password. Oh, that's what it was. <laughs> You're kidding. That has happened to me multiple times. So I feel for this guy. Very frustrating. Yeah. $220 million. 
but he's got all the money he needs. So I guess I feel less bad for him than I might otherwise. Well, a mission from NASA has discovered there may be a lot fewer galaxies than initially believed, opening up the possibility, wait for it, that humanity is alone in the universe. We are actually a special creation, perhaps. Well, the New Horizon mission, which yielded the first close-up photos of Pluto, provided enough data for scientists to make the determination that it's likely the number of galaxies is in the hundreds of billions rather than two trillion, as initially believed. It's an important number to know how many galaxies there are, the study lead author Mark Postman said in a statement. We simply don't see the light from two trillion galaxies. Well, the findings, which were published and can be read um, in the uh, publication, are in stark contrast to the two trillion uh, figure that had long been used thanks to data from the Hubble Space Telescope. Scientists used the uh, mathematical model to determine that 90% of the galaxies in the universe were beyond Hubble's ability to see visible light. Well, traveling roughly 33,000 miles per hour, the $720 million New Horizons spacecraft, which launched in January of 2006, will eventually reach interstellar space like the Voyager probes before it. The fact that it is currently near the edge of the solar system allows it to see ambient sky 10 times darker than the Hubble's vantage point. Well, these kinds of measures are exceedingly difficult. A lot of people have tried to do this for a long time, the study's author says, explaining that New Horizons provided us with a vantage point to measure the cosmic optical background better than anyone has been able to do. Well, the New Horizons spacecraft is now 4.4 billion miles from Earth. So there you have it. Are you surprised, James? A little bit, a little bit, but, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, not really. Yeah, I mean, I think exploration is a, a fine thing, and it's always thrilling when they discover new things. But I'm looking forward to, um, you know, Jesus comes, we're caught up in the air, and we will see the galaxies as we're passing uh, through them, perhaps, and get I mean, a clear I, picture know, of what's there. It's one of those things that, that it, we, we simply don't have the ability to tell or not tell. And it's kind of like even the things we see with the news events today. It's like, you know, what we know to be real today may not be what we know to be real tomorrow. And that's on the things like de developing like science. I'm not talking about Jesus Christ. We know that story. That story has been told. We know the ending. We know the glory. Uh, you know, all of those things are in, in place. And, and, you know, it, it's one of the best books. We got to take a peek at the end. Um, and with, with what's out there, I mean, these are a lot of the, you know, again, we live in a world where they can't tell us what the weather will quite be tomorrow. Uh, and I'm not saying it's, I'm not blaming meteorologists. I don't, I don't blame meteorologists for astro uh, astronomy, but, uh, you know, it's more that the, uh, the sciences are not perfect even when they think they are. And there's still so much to learn that our earthly minds can't handle it because this is you know, everything we see is part of God's creation. What role it plays in his creation. That's the great mystery we get to find out on the other side. Hmm. Well, have you been looking for something that will stand out on your resume? Are you the kind of person who wants to work your buns off while meeting hot dog fans from across the country? Or mm, maybe you just always dreamed of driving a weird car? Well, all of those things come together because Oscar Mayer once again is hiring their hot doggers to drive the Wiener Mobile. 
Now, this may be your lucky day because Oscar Mayer is looking to hire a new crew of hot doggers to drive the Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile. We've had them at the station a couple of times. Yes, we have. Um, the Chicago-based company is looking for recent college graduates to take on the one-year paid job crisscrossing the country in the iconic 27-foot-long hot dog-shaped vehicle. The gig will last from June 2021 through June 2022 following a two-week training session. Oscar Mayer's hot doggers will represent the company at various events like media appearances, charity functions, and other celebrations. This will be Oscar Mayer's 34th class of hot doggers. Uh, they're, uh, they're going to stop at more than 200 events during the year, appearing in local news and creating social media content for Oscar Mayer. And I don't know where Oscar Mayer falls in the political continuum, so you may or may not hear from them. It really depends on their point of view. But nonetheless, uh, they're hoping that social media will allow the message to get out. It's not unusual to make the news while traveling in the Wiener Mobile. Last year, the crew made headlines after getting pulled over in Wisconsin for breaking the state's move-over law. And uh, one hot dogger grabbed attention last fall after proposing to his girlfriend in front of the Wiener Mobile at Yellowstone National Park. So who knows what excitement there may be this time around. Uh, the mission of the Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile has always been to spread smiles. That's what the senior associate brand manager says in a press release. We're looking forward to continuing this tradition and invite recent grads to submit their resumes for an opportunity they're sure to relish and join our team of meat lovers, adventure craving do-gooders. So maybe we'll get them uh, back at the station if we ever return to the station in 2021. Well, you know, it's funny, yeah. So one thing I was to say about applying for that job is that we've had them to the station now twice, I believe, uh, in the last no, 10 years or so. And uh, they definitely, uh, well, let's just say age-wise, I think I'm a little too old to join the crew. Uh, but um, I think if I were doing the interviews myself, of course, the top question would be, so when can you stop by? Uh, yeah, I would love to have them come by in the fall, uh, late summer. We should hopefully be back by then. You know, just call a couple of days ahead of time, make sure we are. Uh, and I can tell you right now, 99% of the day, we, you know, we have great neighbors in our building at, uh, at where the station's located. Uh, but we're just kind of there. We're just another, another business in the building. But the day we have the uh, Wienermobile, and once we had the planter's peanut at the same time, we were popular that day. Everybody wanted to hang with us because they wanted the tour of the vehicles. It was the coolest spectacle. And they just, when they found out they were coming back, people were getting excited again. It's just kind of funny how it doesn't matter young or old, no matter what. It's it's like a ma a people magnet. Everybody wants to check out the Wienermobile. Yeah, and with good reason. Hey, we need to take a quick break. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're just winding our way through some of the lighter side of the news. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show on this Friday edition of The Georgine Rice Show. James Blend has joined me as well from his remote location. Top secret remote location. There you go. Well, a soap bubble master in Taiwan. Who knew there were soap bubble masters? Anyway, this one in Taiwan broke a Guinness World Record by blowing 783 bubbles inside a much larger bubble. And that would be something to see. Guinness said uh, Chang Yu-Tei, he filled a large bubble with 783 smaller bubbles during an attempt 
in his hometown. Well, the feat earned Chang the record for most bubbles, most soap bubbles blown inside one larger bubble. The record-keeping organization shared video of Chang using a large bubble wand to uh, control the larger bubble while he blew the smaller ones from the inside. He previously set the Guinness, uh, the Guinness record for most bounces of a soap bubble. So um, congratulations, I, I guess. Gotta love those Guinness records. Gotta love them. I mean, you know, it's, it's almost going to be a question here in a few months. Are we going to get the Guinness Book of World Records lockdown edition? Because it seems like all sorts of, I mean, people have had 10 months to come up with wacky ideas of records they could either yeah, really. set or break. Um, I mean, I was one of those things I'm so thankful in that, that in her interest of things like science and math and, you know, experiments and things like that, that my, my daughter does not yet know what the Guinness Book is and what it signifies. Because I fear even at uh, five and a half, she'd be trying to figure out with her friends, we should set a record. No, 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 no. How long you could stay awake? No, 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 no. Let's not go for that one. Well, she can set the record for being the only kid in America who didn't attempt to set a Guinness World Record. Congratulations. exactly it. Well, magicians are marking the 100-year anniversary of sawing people in half. He came, he sawed, he conquered. Well, 100 years ago on Sunday, illusionist P.T. Selbit put a woman in a box on the stage of London's uh, Finsbury Park Empire and sawed right through the wood, creating a magic that, had, that has become a classic. Now, 100 years on, magicians from around the world will be getting together online this weekend to celebrate the centenary of that landmark performance. This took off and became the most influential and the most famous illusion, in my opinion, that there has ever been. That's a quote from magician and historian Mike Cavaney, who is writing a book on the illusion. Wow, a whole book on the subject. Well, the magician wasn't uh, doing this trick to uh, an animated object. He was doing it to a human being, which raised it up a whole new level. In the original version, the saw went through, the box was opened, and the person emerged unharmed. Down the years, magicians developed refinements with the two halves pulled apart. Celebrity magician David Copperfield came up with his own version, the Death Saw, uh, where he was the one tied down to a platform as a giant rotary saw sliced him in two. Sometimes he actually got injured, Copperfield said in an interview filmed uh, for an online event. Well, the London-based Magic Circle organization will host the celebrations with a live live streamed event rather on Facebook. That is, of course, if their views on other subjects hold acceptable. From 1800 GMT on Sunday, guests will include Debbie McGee, the wife of the late British TV magician Paul Daniels, who will describe the many times she survived the procedure. I I guess it's an impressive magical trick, but I, I don't know. I'm just not that interested in the the whole genre, but it is interesting to learn how they do it. I mean, I, the mechanics of it is of interest to me. Yeah, I mean, for, I mean, first of all, I mean, you know, as far as the song in half, I mean, generally speaking, the audiences are split on that particular one. Um, <laughs> sorry, I couldn't resist. I was holding back for yeah, two. Yeah, you could. I was. T- I had. I had that one in the tank for two minutes, gassing up. It was ready to go. Uh, but uh, you know, I've been to a couple. Um, specifically, uh, a very well-known. Um, magician duo and uh who tend to like to give away some of their secrets anyway 
so I've enjoyed seeing them because it's part of it is you're trying to figure out, okay, how are they doing this? You know it there's somewhere because obviously there's no such thing as magic um, unless you're at Disneyland. But, uh, you know, there's no such thing as magic. And it's it to find the, the way and sometimes some of these are done. Um, I've participated in two of their um, act, uh, acts as an audience volunteer. And I can tell you right now from being within three feet of them, still can't tell how they're done. That's yeah. It, it, it's an art. It's I mean, impressive. it's an mm-hmm. it's an impressive art, but it's more impressive to know how it's done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, speaking of an art, a South Korean startup, they've developed an um, AI powered dog collar that can detect five emotions in dogs or canines by monitoring their barks using voice recognition technology. Huh. Well, the pet pulls collar. Uh, can tell pet owners through a smartphone application if their dogs are happy, relaxed, anxious, angry, or sad. It also tracks dogs' uh, physical activity and their rest. The device gives a dog a voice so that humans can understand. Well, not exactly, but that's what the director of global marketing of PetPulse uh, Lab told Reuters. The company began uh, gathering different types of barks to analyze dogs' emotions back in 2017. Three years later, they developed a proprietary algorithm based on a database of more than 10,000 samples from 50 breeds of dogs. I thought she was just happy when she played and felt sad and anxious when I wasn't home. Actually, she felt angry when she lost a game she played with me, uh, like how humans feel, um, the six-year Border Collie's owner says. Well, the caller has a 90% average accuracy rate. I mean, how do you test that? Uh, Of emotional recognition, according to the Seoul National University, which tested the device, the company says, is the first of its kind to be powered by AI voice recognition technology. So are you buying it? Are they actually interpreting the meaning behind a dog's bark? You know, I don't know about the meaning because it sure seems like, I mean, that's going a little bit way well it's not going low but that's going way into pet psychology for me but i think there i mean anybody who's been around dogs any amount of time so basically everybody but you um the uh <laughs> can tell there there are tonal shifts in in how a dog whines or barks a ha- you know a happy whine does not sound like a sad whine at all uh you know those type of things so i mean i think you could detect emotion I think that actually be pretty easy, and I'm shocked we're not there and haven't been for a long time. Uh, but um, I think going a whole lot deeper, like, okay, Buffy's upset because she got dry food for breakfast, not the wet food. Uh oh, you know, how do you know? There's an app for that. Uh, you know <laughs> that 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 seems to be going a little deeper than i think we ought to be and quite frankly i'd feel like i mean i don't have a pet but if i did and they had privacy i'd feel like i was invading it well and this technology can only tell you if the dog is happy which is probably fairly apparent relaxed also apparent anxious angry or sad yeah those are all very obvious on a dog yeah there's not a lot of confusing the two or five i should say Well, I want to close out this uh, lighter side of the news segment with a hymn for everyone. I actually borrowed this from a friend on Facebook that I thought was pretty funny. Um, But, uh, you know, hymns are great resources uh, in the church. But uh, if you happen to be a dentist, a gossip, an electrician, a psychiatrist or a waiter, there might be a hymn just for you. So a hymn for everyone. The dentist's hymn 
Crown him with many crowns. No big surprise there. The weatherman's hymn, there shall be showers of blessing. The contractor's hymn, how firm a foundation. The tailor's hymn, holy, holy, holy. The politician's hymn, standing on the promises. The IRS agent's hymn, I surrender all. The gossip's hymn, it is no secret. The electrician's hymn, send the light. The shopper's hymn, in the sweet by and by. The realtor's hymn, I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. The massage therapist's hymn, he touched me. The pilot's hymn, I'll fly away. The paramedic's hymn, revive us again. The judge's hymn, almost persuaded. The psychiatrist's hymn, just a little talk with Jesus. The waiter's hymn, fill my cup, Lord. The baker's hymn, when the roll is called up yonder. The shoe repairer's hymn, it is well with my soul. The geologist's hymn, rock of ages. The librarian's hymn, whispering hope. The mail carrier's hymn, the deliverance will come. The nurse's hymn, rescue the perishing. The telephone operator's hymn, Jesus on the main line. The fisherman's hymn, shall we gather at the river? Pretty funny. This is from Friendship Baptist Church, number two in Mineral Bluff, Georgia. A hymn for everyone. Hey, we're out of time. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ.